better or worse, the relationship between science, film, and media has long been intertwined. We're here to dissect that relationship, turning it inside out for all to see. And throughout the years, one truth has revealed itself. You don't need good science to make a good movie. But it sure makes it better. Hi everyone and welcome to the Real Science Podcast, the podcast where three highly qualified professionals pick a movie and then pick apart the science. My name's Kenan Smith. My name is Sean Crossan. I'm a Michael Pace. Hey boys! Ah, hello! Uh, this is a very special episode because we are now the three of us, all doctors. Oh shit! All the doctors! That's right! Dr. Michael Pace. That's right. Wait, hold on. Let's do it again. All right. Welcome to the Real Science Podcast. Podcast with three highly qualified professionals pick a movie and pick part science. My name is Dr. Smith. Ugh, my name is Dr. Sean Crossan. <laughs> and my name is Dr. Pace. Oh, uh, it's when you get a doctor, your voice gets deeper. That's how it works. It it gets deeper is how that works. I know many things about uh, science now. PhD stands for PH drop. PH deep. I really wish PH, PhD. That was a much better joke that you made, and much better than the one that I said. So I'm going to defer to that. Sean one. looks like he wants to say something. I know. I just I don't know what's going on. <laughs> <laughs> so you just kind of have to roll with the punch. This is our second attempt at recording this episode. Um, yeah. We tried to record it earlier, and Sean, I guess, didn't pay his internet bill. Um, or on maybe the contrary, you paid, you paid half of your internet bill, and suddenly so only half the internet was yep. getting in. Something was up. So, yeah. Fingers well. crossed that this this recording is unscathed. No, don't talk about it. You're going to you're going to we don't need all that bad vajuju. I think Whoa, I, <laughs> the most I think upsetting thing is, is that we different. missed a very good discussion on about how the rock was born inside of an asteroid. You know, I, I think the rock would have been a better artist to play the role in this film. Artist that Bruce Willis. Played. No, I think um, that is bullshit. I I I don't know. I personally Pace. think that the Rock would have done a really good job of playing the role of the asteroid. Oh, okay. So, okay. So, oh, okay. Oh, oh okay. So, <laughs> yep. Okay. Yeah, yeah, could... yeah. Because his name's the Rock Face. You okay. Know, you yeah. Get it? Like. Okay. Also, his uh, Aster Rock. We can call him the Aster Rock. Dwayne the Aster No, I think we just still call him the Rock. Yeah, like it's it. It's already there. Ah, but that's you guys are okay. Fine, you know, fine. We could call him the Big you know, Rock if that makes you feel any better. The bit, the Big Rock, the Big Rocky, Big Rock, rock the Candy Master, Big Bumpy Boy, Big Bumpy. <laughs> what rock what boy. is happening? You're <laughs> just <laughs> Pace. You're doing this thing where you're just trying to talk as much as fast yeah, as possible. I think I'm having a stroke. <laughs> yeah, Jesus Christ. <laughs> we watched a movie today. We watched. Well, it wasn't today, but we watched a movie. Right. We watched Armageddon. This movie was picked for us, uh, handpicked, dare I say, by enemy of the podcast, Douglas Miller. Um, yes, he gave us three suggestions because he is part of, uh, he is a donor on our Patreon, uh, and gave us three movie suggestions and we picked the only one that was feasible. Thank you very much, Doug. Thank you, Doug, for giving us a feasible suggestion. I am overwhelmed with joy that this was a possibility. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, we, we had our doubts, but you, you delivered. I was a hundred percent convinced that the choices were going to be wild, wild west Wild Ooh. Wild Ooh. West and Wild Ooh. Wild West and Wild 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 West. Yeah, guys, you have spoken the spoken the forbidden words on our podcast. Actually. Sorry. Um, yeah, but if you say them three times, then you actually summon um, Doctor Loveless. <laughs> God damn it! You just summon spider? Doug. Actually, you just summon Doug. 
Oh yeah, it's just <laughs> Doug's like the Zool of Wild Wild West right. or something. He yeah, just, he comes out yeah. of your mirror and kills your kids. Yeah, he's like, there is no Wild Wild West, only Doug. And then he only pops out. only Doug. He's he's wearing a black cowboy hat and a leather a leather vest with fringes. Mm-hmm. Yep, just like Doug always wears. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly. his standard apparel. <laughs> it's the standard apparel with white van slip on shoes. That's the only other thing that's strange about that outfit that he has. And all jokes aside. We are sincerely thankful to Doug for both being a patron and suggesting a movie that was actually uh, doable on the show. So thank yeah. you, Doug. And if you want to get a movie on the show, uh, go to patreon.com, look us up, The Real Science Cast, and at the $2 a month tier, you're able to send us in uh, three different movie suggestions, and we will watch one, and we will enjoy it, and we'll talk about the science. And we will use that money to rent these delicious movies <laughs> yep <laughs> and eventually um, get better recording equipment than what we're currently using eventually yes that's right so uh pace but we did watch armageddon yes we did and now we gotta figure out what was that movie what was about what, what the movie about well, pace, i think that maybe you should do our disclaimers before we jump right into the film yes oh you right you're right you're right okay we don't want to okay. we don't want to offend anyone and we need to make sure that everybody knows exactly what we're about here's what we are about though mm-hmm is that we we are mm-hmm. three yes two plus one mm-hmm. still two three. plus Good. two plus one doctors mm-hmm. who have doctorates mm-hmm. in oh, philosophy stop, stop. which means that we know <laughs> a lot about one little thing and it also means that we're going to talk about some science and some nitty-gritty nitty-gritty science yeah and we're going to talk about nitty-gritty science in in uh, cinematic adventure we're going to go phd uh, into that science P, PhD, PhD into that science. PhD into the science. Yes, and we're gonna curse while we're doing it. Probably we're gonna say we fuck haven't a lot. already. You already did it. Okay, so it's there. We we did it. Pace and nipple. Yeah. So, as is customary on the show, I like to give my hot take of how you looked to me <laughs> while you were describing. God, the, okay. <laughs> the fucking disclaimers for our show, yeah. and this time. It reminded me of like a very very nervous like middle school child mm-hmm. presenting a uh, maybe a book report that they had very little knowledge of. Definitely yeah, didn't read the book in front of the whole class and maybe just... have wet themselves a little bit while they were talking. Yeah, you looked you look like a fourth grader proposing to Julianne Moore. You're just saying that because I shaved today, okay? I just have a clean baby face today, so you're just saying that. But my jawline is still strong as an ox. It is. You can lay off me. You have a strong jawline, but I need you to get into the beard club with me and Sean. Sean is obviously the president, and I'm the treasurer because my beard is not as good. (laughs) Dude, I can't help it. It's like the one good thing I can do is just grow a beard. Yeah, you were the incumbent president before growing a beard. So given that, though, that we're going to talk about those things, we're going to figure out what this movie was about. And to do that, we're going to roll a D20 to figure out who's going to give a plot summary. Ah, dang it. And okay, so uh, that means I believe it's, it's it's me and who else? It's going to be Kenan and Pace because I did the plot last time. All right, and let's Sean, do this what are the shindig. rules? What are the rules? What are the rules? Okay, so yeah, just for all the new listeners or people that you know can't Don't see listen. through our rambling, I'll refresh the rules of this again. But so basically, if you roll, this is a twenty-sided die. If you roll a twenty, then you don't have to do the plot. If you roll a one, then you have to do the plot. And otherwise, the lowest roll, uh, or sorry, the highest roll has to do the plot. Right? That makes sense? Yep. Yep. So if you roll the plot. Yeah, okay. 
All right. All right. Go for it, Kenan. No cheating this time. You fucking I cheater. Never cheated in my entire life. That is false. Nice. Oh. What'd you get? Pace. You rolled a two? I rolled a two. Holy Ooh. shit. I want pace. you to completely stop using your fucking cheating mechanisms, all you bastards. It's, it's not. It's probably more <laughs> random than your dice roll. I, I use my D&D No, app. there isn't because the algorithms that those use have inherent errors in them, which means you're cheating. Do you want to re-roll? No. Kenneth, okay. what'd you roll? I rolled an eight. I actually did pretty well. Just not well enough. Very good. It's it's not good enough. One and a half. Guess you gotta um, go. (laughs) It's it's not good enough to perceive the ninja hiding behind you, who's about to take out his rapier and slash you across your. Uh, your Yeah. Yes, it is because I'm currently on Google Video Chat and I can see directly behind me. (laughs) Shit, you're right. (laughs) Me too. True. Oh damn. Okay. Well, Kenan, you guys rules. I just I just described them. So. I guess you got to do the plot of this fantastic film. Oh, this fantastic films, and we're going to find them. All right, so. That's a good film. We open on. How about this? I'm going to give you a few seconds to collect yourself while I make sure I tell the listeners, just in case they're wondering, that this movie is a 1998 film starring Bruce Willis, uh, and it's directed by Michael Bay. And it also stars such people like Billy Bob Thornton, Ben Affleck, Liv Tyler, Will Patton, Steve Buscemi, and uh, Owen Wilson, among others. There are a lot of stars in this movie, and it is yep. uh, it is buck wild. So there, the the sky is empty for all the stars are in Armageddon, and <laughs> I this yes. God that's beautiful. This is the fucking most Michael Bay movie ever. Yes, that I've ever more so than Transformers. Fucking seen in my entire life. Yeah, it's also available for streaming on Netflix. If you haven't seen it and you're listening to this episode, I recommend watching it for sure. Yep. If for whatever fucking reason you feel like you need to see a movie that is not very good, please watch. Please watch. Hey, it was. Save it. Save it for the ratings, guys. I don't even want to hear it. All right, fine. This movie starts out with a voiceover, which is my favorite way to start a movie. I don't know if I've told you guys this before, but it's it's yeah, I know you love it. Literally, the fucking ball. So good. Uh, so Charlton Heston, uh, tells us about the, uh, impact crater off of the coast of the Yucatan Peninsula in Mexico, known as the, uh, Chicxulub crater. I think I'm saying that right. That was the, yep. the asteroid that caused a mass extinction event, um, uh, of the Cretaceous Paleogene era. Um, and this is what killed all your friends, the dinosaurs. Um, no. well, except for yeah. the ones whose blood are trapped in amber in mosquitoes. Yes. And also, except for the ones that were back in We're Back, a dinosaur story. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and all the ones in Jurassic World too. And, right, and the ones from the late '80s show Dinosaurs. Yeah. Also. Yeah. <laughs> they were unharmed too, right? <laughs> oh, and all the alligators. The alligators made it too. Alligators Basically. also are dinosaurs. Yes. Or crocodiles. They're croc croc crocodile dudes. One of them is is, is dinosaurs. Anyway, yep. Uh, yep. so. So this happens, um, and then we get uh, the whole planet catches on fire, and then we get a very fiery intro uh, with the word Armageddon, uh, just sort of right in our faces. So already a very, very Michael Bay intro. A meteor shower is then detected in orbit, and it destroys 
the orbiting space shuttle Atlantis, uh, and then bombards an area of land around the North Atlantic, uh, specifically uh, in a scene that I thought was very, very good and translated really well um, into the modern day. Uh, <laughs> yeah. In Wins. Yeah, so it's just a very good opening scene where Eddie Griffin uh, is playing what we're led to believe is just sort of like a, a crazy street person um, in uh, New York City. And he gets into an altercation in which his little puppy is eating uh, stuffed Godzillas and blow up Godzillas by a man who is simply trying to make a living on the street by selling these things to New Yorkers. Um, Eddie Griffin uh, is very racist to him. Um, and then the man is killed by a, uh, a meteorite um, to the face. That's right. And it's supposed to be very funny, and it's not. <laughs> it's not funny Medi- at all, actually. Yeah. No, yeah meteorites was, are the funniest of all rocks. It's not funny. Uh, so basically, uh, fast forward through a bunch of time where we discover that a, a rogue asteroid that showed up because basically a comet entered the asteroid belt, knocked a bunch of asteroids and debris loose, and an asteroid the size of Texas, which was christened, uh, Dottie by its very bad husband discoverer. Um, is going to collide with Earth in 18 days, uh, and it's going to be big enough to cause a second uh, extinction event, um, which it would because it is extremely large. Um, so the entire movie is NASA scrambling to figure out a way to save the Earth, and they have determined that they can blow it up along a fault line, which we'll get back to. <laughs> Because they say the asteroid is a fault line. Yes, fault lines and asteroids. Jesus. Uh, And the only people who can save them are the hard-nosed fuckabouts uh, (laughs) who work on a oil drilling platform, a deep-sea oil drilling platform, led by our good friend uh, Bruce Willis playing a guy named Harry S. Stamper. was very, like, American, just sort of superhero name. Within the first five minutes of the movie, as soon as they were, like, developing this cockamamie plan, I figured that, like, in every poster description of the movie when it came out, the word, the term ragtag was probably used a lot. Were you right? Were you right? Were you right? <laughs> no, I don't be. know. I was just sitting there and I was like, what is this? A ragtag bunch of, of oil drillers or earth's last hope against or, an evil menacing asteroid or the phrase unlikely heroes unlike yeah sure right i'm gonna see what the tagline is hold on i want to know what the tagline is for this movie ragtag unlikely heroes it's not as good my favorite tagline for any movie is the one for uh the it's a movie called volcano um that stars help me out here uh, plays Agent Smith. Why can't I remember his name? Oh, I know who you're talking about, but I don't know his name. Anyway, uh, I think it takes place in L.A. and the tagline is just "The coast is toast." <laughs> it's That's very good. good. That's very good. <laughs> the coast is toast. Oh, here we go. Here's one. Earth. It was fun while it lasted. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Perfect. Jeez. So, this entire <clears throat> fucking movie is, uh, I like. There's not a lot of plot here because it's literally just these eight or so idiots being trained to be oil. Dr- uh, sorry, being trained to be na- uh, astronauts because for whatever astronaut oil drillers, right? 
for whatever reason, it was easier to train or oil drillers how to be astronauts than it was to train astronauts how to use drilling equipment. That's a good point. Yeah. I What the fuck? I don't know. But I mean they only had eighteen days, right? I guess. <laughs> Everyone knows that being an ast training to be an astronaut takes like basically eighteen days. So <laughs> good yeah, thing it worked that's out. Fairly standard it's it's timeline. it's just fucking four it's two weeks of physical activity and then four days worth of written exams. <laughs> four days worth of team building exercises. <laughs> team building exercises. It's icebreakers. Uh, so these guys, which like the the <clears throat> feel of the movie is effectively just like the A team goes to space. Um, yeah, yes, yeah, it is for sure. They do this thing and they have to stop at a Russian space station in order to uh, refill on liquid oxygen, which powers their ship. Um, I don't think we're going to talk about that because we've already talked about like different propellants in space and stuff like that and how stupid movies make them out to be. Mm-hmm. But anyway, on this Russian space station is Peter Stormare, who does a really, really, really good job of just like probably the limited instruction that Michael Bay gave him, which was Haha, be a crazy Russian guy, right? <laughs> yeah, Dude, basically. Lev is Lev is the best character in this movie. He is my favorite character, one hundred percent. He's hilarious. He, is he fixes equipment yeah. by hitting it with a wrench. It was great. Yeah. After they get to, uh, to the space station, that blows up. Uh, they have to do a slingshot maneuver around the moon land on the asteroid one of the ships blows up um then they the team that was on the ship that blew up has to there's like two people left i think it's uh it's ben affleck and peter uh, peter stormare stormare yeah and didn't michael clark duncan survive bear he did yes Yeah, yeah yes yes okay cool he's the other one yeah so those three have to drive their truck over to their space truck over to where Bruce Willis's team is on the same asteroid, uh, because Bruce Willis's uh, team ruins their drill because it blows up. A lot of stuff in this movie blows up, by the way. They're this, hitting a lot of gas pockets in the center of this uh, yeah, asteroid. There's a lot of fire and sparks uh, in the middle of space on this asteroid. Basically, they show up. They save the day after the drill breaks. They take this new drill and they're drilling into the ground. And there's this like really tense scene between them and Houston where Houston says, okay, well, well, they're not going to make it. We just have to blow up the fucking asteroid. And there's a lot of this back and forth about, oh, you know, we have, uh, we can't let the government do that. The president doesn't have the authority to condemn these men, blah, blah, blah. We know better. And so they, on the ground, they try and stop it on the asteroid. They try and stop it where Bruce Willis fucking stares down a trained military man with a gun in his face while holding a wrench. Um, they managed to convince him not to blow themselves up. And in trying to defuse the bomb, they prevent the bomb from being able to be triggered by a remote, uh, remote detonation. And Bruce Willis is like, guess we got to draw straws. And they do. And Bruce Willis's future son-in-law Ben Affleck draws a short straw, and Bruce Willis tricks him and kicks him back on the on the spaceship, and is like, "You're the dad now." And then so that's what he so said. So Bruce Willis he, basically <laughs> sacrifices himself for yes. all of mankind as he's he as does. he pushes Ben Affleck backwards and says, "You're the dad now, Ben." You're the dad now, 
and typical John McClane behavior. Exactly. Yeah. And Ben Affleck rises up into the spaceship and goes, <clears throat> I'm not ready for this responsibility. I, I love you other dad. And then he goes up into the ship and then there's like 45 more minutes of tension because this movie generates tension constantly without letting you breathe by just like minor things going wrong all the time. Yeah, that's true. Uh, and so Harry Stamper, played by Bruce Willis, has trouble like physically setting the bomb off with the manual detonation they gave him, uh, but then does it. And the asteroid splits in half and flies on either side of the either side Earth. of the Earth and saves everyone. And that's it. And then Steve Tyler sings in the background. <laughs> yes, there's a lot of Steve Tyler in this movie. And there's a lot of Liv Tyler, hunka hunka. Get married. Wow. Okay, face. (laughs) (laughs) I think the the thing is, is like this movie has like I took a really long time describing it, but this movie can be summed up in about five minutes, like maybe four sentences. I was just trying to like give it a little bit of vamp to make it more interesting to listen to a little bit of juice. Just trying to put some juice on it. It's I don't know. This movie sucks. I, we'll get to it, it in the ratings, Kenan. Okay, yeah, Kenan. But anyway. first, why don't you tell people why you think it sucks by providing examples of the lack of accurate science in the movie? Okay, yes, that's what we do on this podcast. That's just what we do as our podcast. listeners have become accustomed to. Okay, fine, Sean. Jesus fucking Christ! I'll talk about this. Wow. Listen, I'm just saying we have a review section of the podcast, Kenan. That's true. That's a good point. I want to talk about some science for again, and I wish you'd stop interrupting me. Hit me with mm-hmm. it. Hit me with that science, Kenan. Okay, so first things first, I want to talk about the detection of this asteroid. Because mm. this is a very big asteroid. Um, it is. Texas size. And everything's even bigger in Texas, so it's like twice as big. That's right. It's a whole that's other a country. Scientific fact. That's right. Te- the Texas is like the TARDIS in that it's bigger on the inside. <laughs> yep. So the one of the biggest problems i have with this is that nasa was surprised by a meteor shower that destroyed a shuttle um that to me even in the 1990s seems like a load of horse shit i agree we yeah, use well, sorry sean go ahead no i was gonna say like the justification that um they use is that oh well like nasa has a really small budget and we can only monitor like a certain percentage of the sky which like even that if true? that's all true, why wouldn't you be monitoring the one spot of the sky yet you have a manned fucking shuttle mission going on in? Like, it seems like that seems pretty fucking well, important to monitor. <laughs> I mean, NASA's budget is really fucking tiny. Yeah, well, but they've certainly gotten that's smaller. True. Since no, that is true. But they're also in active communication with the shuttle. You'd think they would be fucking monitoring the sky near where the shuttle is like. No, I agree. Uh, yes, no, I agree 100. percent That wouldn't have, that would not have gone down like that at all. But I mean, their, their budget is small. At the very least, now NASA is constantly mapping the sky, so they use a lot of uh, infrared cameras uh, in order to try and, or infrared telescopes in order to try and map everything around us to look for <coughs> near Earth objects. Um, yes, and yes. efforts similar to this were active even during the 1990s. Um, so it strikes me as odd that they would not have noticed a meteor shower that absolutely obliterated a shuttle and a satellite and a bunch of people. Um, True. But yes. So that was my first problem. The other thing is, is that uh, we're going back to the 90s. 
the way that they discover this asteroid, I mean, obviously they're already looking at the sky because of this meteor shower. Um, they are over at NASA. They're like, what just hit us? And they have so much video of holes being blown in the side of the shuttle and of the uh, astronaut and the satellite that they're working on. Like we, the viewers on their screen can physically see asteroids punching holes in them. And the first like 10 minutes of this movie are NASA trying to figure out what happened and whether or not it was an attack from a different nation, Um, which only exists to create tension because that's like the thing. It's Michael Bay's thing. It's the Bay thing. It's the Bay thing. Just Bay things. Can I do a a soapbox thing just for one second? Uh, Sure. I mean, I feel like we try not to... We, we try not to get but mad like, about things, but... Yeah, but, like, NASA's budget is very important, right? No, they I do agree so many this. good things. And so, I like, let's see. In, in 2017, NASA was about a half of a percent of the total federal budget, mm-hmm. right? Which, I mean, is pretty small. And, like, in, in the same year, the military and defense budget was about... Was over half, 55%. Of the federal budget. Yeah, that's impressive. It's just sometimes I, I I marvel at what we could do if those resources were allocated just a little bit differently. Well, I mean, do you know what I mean? We, like, all the major leaps that we had in space exploration existed because of the space race. Like, the reason why we landed on the moon is because we were trying to do it before Russia. Right. It was a pride thing. Yep. But anyway, you guys were talking about how we can detect these uh, using... Using all the great technology that we as humans have developed. Yes. Yeah, I mean, like, infrared tracking. You also, like, things don't just, like, appear out of nowhere, right? Like, the sky looks... If certain things are in certain positions in the sky, right? Because they're in orbit. But some things that aren't in orbit or that are moving towards us are going to change, right? So can't you just take a bunch of different pictures of the sky over and over and over again? Like, don't they monitor the sky every day? I mean, that is my assumption, right? But I mean, the so NASA has an entire near-Earth objects observations program that is yes, they do. currently running. And they're literally tracking everything that we're talking about. Asteroids, comets, uh, anything that has an orbit or has a path that brings it uh, within like 1.3 AUs of the sun. So about 30 million miles or something like that uh, yeah. of Earth's orbit. Um, right. And so this is something that is being constantly done. I don't know if it was done as much in the 90s, but one of the things that I have, like, barring any of that, one of the issues that I have with this movie is that they discover the asteroid because of someone who has a very, very high-powered telescope. And he calls in and he tells them that the asteroid is coming and he names it after his wife because of very bad reasons that people shouldn't say about their wives. Um, yeah. How about that? And yeah. there was this, <clears throat> to this point, in 2012, uh, four students at the University of Leicester like, did a study on Armageddon. And one of the things that they pointed out was that in 1998, our best bet for seeing that this asteroid was coming would have been the Hubble Space Teleco- Telescope. And we would have basically detected it right at the point where we needed to have blown it up, according to the movie. 
Right. So, so we would have already been, been fucked. fucked. Yeah. So basically, exactly. this this guy not using the Hubble telescope, detecting it with eighteen days of like leeway before you have to blow it up is just like not feasible. Exactly. But nowadays, with current technology, it would be much much longer. I mean, even the famed Neil deGrasse Tyson told me once we were having a beer together, and mm-hmm. he was telling me wait, like, wait, "Oh wait. yeah, like yeah, like ten years in advance, we'd know about a." life-threatening asteroid heading our way so mm-hmm. i mean the you know the nd the ndt is he's my boy and i believe him when he tells me that how is how is neil how's he doing i mean he's okay you know he's he's science education is a tough field to be in there's lots of people that don't want to listen to him mm. you know stressful and so i mean what are you gonna do yeah it's tough just got it you know you just got to keep at it i'm glad you're there for him yeah i mean he, he, he confides in me mm-hmm. so anyway so uh that was uh <laughs> Uh, a major, I thought he was fucking telling the truth at first for a second. It really fucking got me. I was like, wait a second. Wow. When did Pace meet Neil deGrasse Tyson? Then I was like, man, this is spiraling. There's no way. I was in New York last no, week. I no, stop. Stop. I will okay. not listen to any of your accents right now. Okay. All right. Um, but should we should we bring up a couple of questions from our listeners that were about detecting asteroids and deflecting them. Yeah, I think sure. we should. We got a shitload of questions this week, so it might be good if we tackle some of them now. All right. Yeah. Do you want me um, to read them or? Yeah, go for it, Sean. Okay. Okay, so we actually got um, two questions uh, that are very, very similar. So I'm going to read both of them and credit both people. So this first one's from Heidi and a friend of the show, Heidi, and she asks, are we currently equipped with a way to redirect or destroy an asteroid headed towards earth and how will we accomplish this and then we get a similar question from curtis ryan DeGraw, friend of the show who asks would we really be able to detect an armageddon like event far enough in advance to do something about it um setting aside all the additional logistics of funding approval etc and focusing just on detection and design slash implementation of the response jeez all good, good, good questions. Good questions. That's, I would say that's too many questions. It's good. Um, it was two questions, we, Kenneth. We kind of talked a little bit about detection methods of near-Earth objects. We did. Right? Um, one thing I wanted to quickly mention was NASA's what's known as DART project. This stands for Double Asteroid Redirection Test. And essentially what this project is... Uh, this was published uh, last year on NASA's website, nasa.gov, mm-hmm. uh, June 30th, 2017, that um, this basically this project is they're, they're taking this satellite body. It's about the size of a refrigerator, and they're launching it at an asteroid that's projected to, like, a relatively approach Earth, not hit Earth, but just, like, approach near Earth in October of 2022, and then again in 2024. And what they're basically doing is they're going to hit the asteroid with this refrigerator-sized satellite-type object in the hopes of altering its projected course. Hmm. And they want to do it at a point to where... I mean, it's a very it's relative to the size of the asteroid, this satellite object is tiny, minuscule. But they're hoping that by hitting the asteroid whenever it's so far away from Earth that the predicted like impact would be shifted a lot just from like a small nudge that would add up over time right because in space there's literally like even if you apply a small force on one side if you have hundreds of thousands of miles while this thing is traveling 
it's still going to incrementally have its flight path shifted, right? So, right. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Hopefully they don't yeah. accidentally create an Armageddon-like scenario for oh, the redirecting totally going it towards to. Earth. <laughs> Absolutely. Their budget's so low, they're going to mm. fuck it up. It'll so. slingshot around the moon and yeah. come straight at us. Yeah. Bruce Willis is still alive, so there is hope. I would suggest if I will make a very large donation to NASA, if they will rename it the Freedom Asteroid Redirection Test. <laughs> the fart? Yeah. <laughs> You guys get it? I hate it. Wow, that's uh, how how large a donation are you talking, Kenan? Uh, well, considering their budget, I think a thousand dollars will do it. <laughs> oh, brutal! They're just True. like, yeah, we'll name it Fart. Anything you want, sir. Anything you want, dude. So I think, like to sum that up, we probably know a lot. We would know so much further in advance. Yeah, we would. Than happen in the movie, and and here's the thing about deflecting it: like the technology exists to deflect it, but it's the funding mm-hmm. and the time. Like, we need to build the infrastructure to be able to deflect asteroids. Yeah. So we just need to redirect those funds and get this shit done. And and I think this is probably a decent enough time to bring up how they address this in the film. Um, yes. Because the, basically, if I didn't, if you couldn't parse it out of my rambling earlier when I was covering the plot, NASA's idea is to drill, what, 800 meters into the center yes. of the asteroid and to drop a nuclear weapon into the center of that asteroid and then blow it up around a fault line. Yes, the fault line. The fault line of the asteroid. And that should split it in half. So I mentioned earlier about these students at the University of Leicester, and I really want to find this paper and actually read it because it sounds interesting. Mm-hmm. In this paper, they also put together a formula in order to determine the total amount of kinetic energy in relation to the volume of the asteroid. Yes. Also in relation to their density, based on what they talked about in the movie on what the asteroid was made of, the clearance radius required after the explosion. So uh, basically the radius of the Earth plus 400 miles is what they used. So they said, okay, these two pieces need to be able to go 400 miles on either side of the Earth in order for everyone to be safe based on the velocity that they describe in the movie and based on its distance from the Earth at the point of death, uh, detonation, they determined this total amount of kinetic energy required in order to pull off what Bruce Willie and his team did. Dude, that's quite the study. What did they, what did they find out, Kenneth? It's pretty cool. So uh, basically, we at the current time are not capable of making a bomb powerful enough to do this. Oh. Interesting. Yeah. So for reference... The largest bomb that has ever been detonated on Earth. Take that with a grain of salt. We may have larger bombs that we haven't actually detonated. But the Soviet Union detonated a 50 megaton hydrogen bomb called Big Ivan. Big Ivan? It was called... Big Ivan is the most Russian-sounding bomb name I have ever heard. I am going to go on a limb and assume that, like, the Russians probably didn't call it Big Ivan. (laughs) Oh, you think? Yeah, they they in English called it just Big Ivan. It was that well. It was actually called uh, Sar Bomba, which is pretty great. That's better. Which I think is roughly what King Bomb, which is good. Sar, uh, yeah, I mean that's Sar King Bomba, Bomb. Yeah, yeah uh-huh. Dad Bomb. So this blast in 1961 produced a kinetic energy of roughly uh, 418,000 terajoules. In order to blow, that's a lot of joules. That's a lot of joules. In order to blow this asteroid apart in armageddon 
they would need a blast that was 800 trillion terajoules. Uh, so oh. it's about a billion times stronger than the largest bomb we've ever detonated on planet Earth. Yeah. Actually, about two billion times. So, so what you're saying is we shouldn't go by the Armageddon strategy. Yeah, 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 yeah. What you're saying is that drilling a hole in the asteroid was not the actual difficult part of this entire mission. <laughs> right. They would have detonated this bomb. <laughs> Uh, for starters, there's no fault lines at fucking asteroids, so yeah, it would have seriously. just produced a shitload of pieces and basically, like, shotgun blasted the Earth. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. They would have been better off giving, uh, well, we talked about this, right? Uh, giving Bruce Willis a jetpack, and then he would just push it out of the way. That would be more effective. You think he could do that? I mean, he's very strong. Not with 18 days. Maybe if they shot him very far into space. Mm-hmm. Like he, he had like a hundred years to push it away. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so he's just sitting there, just old Bruce Willis with mm-hmm. his like death charge, just like I have to, I have to save Liv Tyler. Yippee ki <laughs> motherfucker! <laughs> okay, so so what I'm hearing, Ken, is there's a lot of a uh, lot of a lot of plot holes in this in the science of this movie. Yeah, which I think we expected going into this. But I mean, when you have Steve did. Buscemi as a fucking astronaut that's supposed to help save the world, I mean, <laughs> come on. Like He was also the smartest person in this movie, which I really liked. Yeah, he's a freaking genius. What are some of the other major points that we want to discuss in regards to how this movie did science bad? I think um what we should probably also talk about is the G-forces that the astronauts or the miners the space miners experience um, because yes. there is a part while they're flying out to this asteroid where they slingshot around the moon and they're supposed to be experiencing 11 G's worth of G forces. And yes, this uh, seems pretty high. We actually had a question actually associated with this from we did friend of the show, Lauren Pace. She's a very good friend of the very show. Very good friend, of, good the friend show, of me. Who asked, um, what kind of internal tissue damage would occur at that many Gs? So that, that is actually quite a few. And I didn't know if you guys had any input on how the Gs would, you know, affect someone. Amogee. So this is the oh, perfect wow. question. For wow. Okay. You're OG. Yes, it's very good. Mm-hmm. It's very good. Oatmeal gravy. One thing we were debating about was the effect of vertical versus horizontal G-force, mm-hmm. and if that matters, mm-hmm. for tissue damage. So you and I, I we have very boring discussion. Um, we did. It was so boring. And <laughs> off air, uh, we got hung up on whether or not you meant vertical g-forces in the sense that moving away from the earth so moving against earth's gravity versus moving yes. in line versus moving in orbit right yes exactly uh-huh. whereas i think you had meant whether or not you were flying superman style head first or uh Kenan style dick first towards whatever you were doing <laughs> yep yeah, sure. That's definitely is, is that your, what, exactly is what that I meant. Your gadget superpower. Go go gadget, <laughs> Dick Rush. Oh, Dick Rush sounds like a good Pokemon move, mm-hmm. like the one that you learn at like level a hundred, or a pretty solid uh, news anchor name. <laughs> Dick Rush here with the eight o'clock Dick news. Rush here with your local news. <laughs> we got a cold front coming in from the north. Should should make for some chilly days ahead. I think we can pretty much say that for sure. If you were flying head first, and yeah. those G's increased, it, you would you would very very quickly reach the point where 
blood was pooling in your feet and no longer reaching your brain. Yep. And if that happens, your brain needs blood. Yes. So, and if it, it, it also, we're, it also matters like how long a human is experiencing this level of G-force. Of course. You know what? Um, I was thinking, sorry to interrupt, Pace, but before we keep talking about G-forces, just in case people don't know, maybe we should define what like a G-force is. Just God, that's so... such a good idea. Hmm. For those of you that don't know, when we're talking about G-forces, um, one G is the amount of force that the Earth's gravitation uh, applies to your body. So, like, we are yes. all currently experiencing 1G of force right now, just sitting on our 9.8 meters per yes, second. Yes, 9.8 meters per second acceleration towards Earth. So, yep. that means that when they're experiencing 11 Gs, they're experiencing 11 times Earth's actual gravity. And it's, like, pu- pulling them in a specific direction. I think it's also worth noting that, like, to give some relative amounts here, like, the fastest roller coaster the like largest amount of g-force and roller coaster was like a six about six and a half g's uh and like fighter pilots have to deal with like eight to nine g's on a regular basis yeah um mm-hmm. and they were going they were experiencing 11 g's doing this slingshot around the moon to reach the asteroid it's also important to note that fighter pilots deal with different types of g-forces so to your point yeah you can experience g's that are basically front to back side to side or head to toe um, or toe to head, toe to yes. tip. That's a G, just like G's. Fighter pilots wear specific like anti G suits, basically that use different air bladders in order to like constrict their legs and abdomen and stuff like that in order to keep blood in the upper body, so you can continue <laughs> pumping blood into your brain. Right. The reason of this is because at sea level, so at one G, you require a specific amount of blood pressure in order to get blood up to your brain, and in increasing G's, you require twice that much pressure, three times that much pressure, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, right. So if you can artificially increase your, increase your blood pressure, the better off you're going to be. Head to toe G forces, fighter pilots can deal with like eight or nine, but toe to head, so negative G forces, uh, about two or three, and you'll pass the fuck out because all of the blood will fly into your head. Uh, right. and you will pass out yeah so the context of the g-force matters one of the things that's important in this movie is that all of the astronauts are going to be uh, experiencing front to back g-forces um, because they're basically traveling in a seated position this has actually been done by an air force physician named john stapp in the 1940s uh, and he was able to withstand 35 g's uh, in at least one run it's ridiculous. Yes. That guy is a total G. Now, was it for nine minutes? Because that's how long they had to do it in this uh, in Armageddon. It was not for nine minutes. It was um, absolutely not for nine minutes. This Medical Daily website that I'm looking at um, says the experiment only went on for a few seconds, but for an instant, his body had weighed over 7,700 pounds. Jeez. According to Nova. Wow. So Steve Buscemi is like really hardened. He's like a real hardened miner. Yeah, he's a tough dude. I mean, we already knew that Steve Buscemi is a tough dude. He's Mr. Pink. Like, he's gone through a lot. <laughs> he is Mr. Um, Pink. He that's had right. to deal with John Goodman telling him to shut up all the time. And that's that can really wear <laughs> on your your sort of mental faculties. But this guy, uh, John Stapp, by doing all of these tests, lost a bunch of dental fillings, cracked a few ribs, broke his wrists, and just kind of kept doing it. Wow. Gotta see, got that thrill. We know that at least from one person, you can deal with a shitload of Gs, but it very much wears on your body 11 yeah. g's would fuck you up pretty bad by deal with we mean like he didn't die directly from it yeah. but yeah yeah, 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 yeah. but so True. yeah so it could damage like you could break bones you could have probably internal bleeding from like 
the blood just being forced into certain yeah, sections of your body. I think so. Because, like, your heart is going to try and counteract this, but it can't for, like, nine minutes. That's a long time, so. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, that's right. Cool. All right, so I think, we, I guess we've talked enough about this, but basically they wouldn't be doing so great. No. No. They would have a hard time. I, I think with that, we should kind of do a quick montage of all the other bad shit that happens in this movie scientific-wise and then move into questions. Pace, I think that's sake. a great idea because I think the okay. rest of the movie is littered with a montage of bad shit. It is. Uh, the one thing I want to point out, my thing is the drill machines they have in these like dune buggy things they call them armadillos but anyway <laughs> the second the second armadillo that the first one crashes right but then three of their uh crew members survive they they go on a a moon ride with this thing and launch it over a ramp they go full bart simpson yes mm-hmm. yes it's ridiculous that part was complete bullshit well, so there's also, okay, so I think what you're getting at here, which is like a th- bullshit theme, is that um, this asteroid that they land on is supposed to have reduced gravity because yes. it is not very big, right? It's not as big as Earth, and the gravity is proportional to the mass of the object. So yes. what they're expecting is that they should bounce around like they're on the moon, but probably even more so because the gravity is even less. Yeah, well, that was another problem is that during, they were like digging the hole, like, there was, there didn't appear to be any reduction in gravity while they were just lounging around right. on the on the asteroid. And, like, talking about so. jumping a cavern, they basically yes. use the reduced gravity as, like, a boon here. They're like, oh, well, it's reduced gravity, so we can jump this thing. But then they also say that if you fly, if you get too far away from the surface, then you now are experiencing no gravity, and you'll just float away off the asteroid. Right. Which, like, obviously... You, if you break away from the the further you get from the center of the gravity, the less it's acting on you. Yes, but like yes. the changes that they're showing are so drastic, it's it's like crazy. They're going from like full gravity to like no gravity in a second. So right, yeah, it's pretty. It's crazy. not consistent. They're not consistent with the levels of uh, demonstrated shown gravity on the asteroid. Sean, do you have uh, a bad boy movie moment that you wanted to talk about? I mean. I really think that I should talk about the explosions that happen in zero gravity. Yes, I think you sure. should very yeah, much talk a lot about of oxygen explosions. out there, right? Yeah, so basically there's they're on an asteroid, they're in spacesuits because there's no oxygen and there's limited pressure from the at- there's no atmosphere or anything. It, for those of you that don't know, when an explosion or a fire is generated, this is because it's in the presence of an oxygen-rich environment. So like our atmosphere has oxygen in it mm-hmm. about 21 percent oxygen about how much 21 percent oxygen 20, is it really 21 percent? i think so oh i don't remember it's like then it's 70 percent nitrogen and the rest is small amounts of mm. of of uh hydrogen and co2 other things like that. yeah there's a lot of yeah, other CO2. minor elements in there too yeah so anyway sorry there are constantly uranium fucking explosions that keep happening seemingly out of nowhere like there's an earthquake which literally makes no sense because there are no talk about that here in a second yeah i'll let kind of talk about that there's an earthquake there's like pieces of rock that look like giant spires like big needles of rock that are just exploding and flying all over the place and like there would be no explosions like sure you could get like gas escaping from like a compressed area and that would like push stuff but 
there's like literally fiery explosions which if there's no oxygen there's no fire like it's not that's not possible right canon how about that earthquake though (sighs) okay okay just real quick for the listeners uh there is a point where they are trying to get off the planet i think or sorry off the asteroid i think that's when it is um, or it's when they're drilling. I don't remember. It's not important. There's tension derived from every little thing that happens in this movie. It's the most annoying thing in the world. But there's a point in this movie where they freak out because there is an earthquake happening on the asteroid. I know that this was only done for the tension, but it was supposed to be It's probably thrown in there because the whole shtick is that they're blowing up the asteroid around a fault line. This asteroid is only the size of texas and in order for it to have fault lines it would have to have tectonic plates tectonic plates yes Mm -hmm. in order for it to have tectonic plates it would need a mantle it would need a core uh and it would need what we have here on earth which is what's known as the asthenosphere the reason why we have earthquakes on earth is because these tectonic plates which are in what's known as the lithosphere lithosphere are floating on top of this asthenosphere which is more malleable, or at least partially malleable, whereas the crust, that lithosphere, is harder and moves across it. So you can kind of think of the surface of the Earth as like a bunch of broken up plates of rock just floating on magma, which is effectively what we have here. Okay, You can kind of simulate an earthquake if you take a piece of styrofoam or something similar, break it, and then fit it back together along that crease and then try and move them in parallel against one another. When you do that, it'll crumble. And that's why whenever you see earthquakes, there are there's like rock breaking. There's all sorts of things happening. You get things like mountains because these things get pushed together, moved apart, crushed. And that fault line breaks apart. Yeah, but like who's who's to blame? Yeah. Who's at, who's at fault? The, yep. Mm-hmm. Here. Three out of ten. Such a dilemma. <laughs> uh, so <laughs> I'm surprised because, I got a three out of ten. Honestly, <laughs> it's so bad. Two out of ten because yep. this fucking asteroid definitely doesn't have a core. Definitely doesn't have an asthenosphere, uh, and certainly doesn't have a crust sitting on a molten layer. Uh, there's fucking no way that there would be an earthquake. And I don't know why, but this made me the most mad out of everything that happened in this fucking movie. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty ridiculous. It's pretty weird. Like that, it just also was pretty unnecessary. Like they they essentially treated the drilling process just like it would be on Earth. Yep. Which it's not, and that's like another kind of fallacy that like, hey, let's get these guys that are really good at doing stuff on that drilling on Earth to go drill on an asteroid. Like it's totally different. They there are so many scenarios where the drill and the equipment associated with it overheats yeah yeah and they're in the true. middle of fucking space dude it's it's how cold was it like like negative 200 fahrenheit i don't or know Pace, like it's it's really it's, cold it makes no sense yeah. very fucking cold so i think it's probably time for us to um i don't know if you're open to the idea of maybe oh, blah, 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 blah. Whoa. do you think we're gonna rate this movie canon we're gonna rate this bitch all right who goes first? Why don't you go first, please? Yeah, you did, you did the plot. I'll, I'll go first. I did. I am okay. tired of talking. So, uh, as far as the science goes in this movie, I'm definitely giving it a one out of five, like a hundred percent, because it's not 
feasible. Like, deflecting an asteroid away from Earth is feasible, but all of the techniques that they have put forth in this movie are not feasible. So, and since other scientists have actually researched it, it's kind of wild to me, like, but that is a nice benefit we get from this. So, one out of five. As far as what I thought about the movie, for entertainment value, so I actually... I think I enjoyed the movie more than Kenan and Pace, just based on the initial discussion. Like I would say, I so. recognize that this is definitely a bad movie, but I kind of liked it. <laughs> so I'm going to give it like a three. I'm going to give it like a three out of five with an asterisk next to it. That says only if you like bad movies. Fair, 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 <laughs> so, fair, fair, fair. I enjoyed it. Kenan, what, how about how about you, man? You seem you seem frustrated just listening to me talk about the movie. So listen, I don't want to yuck your yums because like somebody has to enjoy this movie, but I'll have to go back and look at his filmography because I don't think I have ever watched a Michael Bay film and enjoyed it because there's just so much unnecessary shit in all of his movies. True. Yeah, but I mean like. You also do get to see Bruce Willis golfing at a bunch of protesters while like ZZ Top is just playing <laughs> in the was, background. That was a great moment. That's pretty that was great. a good moment. <laughs> Fucking scene. You oh. also get to see Steve Buscemi take out like a $100,000 loan from a loan shark because he thinks he's going to die and blow it all at one stripper. And then you also get to see Ben Affleck like sing to Liv Tyler in like a really weird way. So This movie was made for every one of my god-fearing republican relatives in the 90s like that's that's who this movie is for (laughs) the science i know i made up the rating scale but we can't go lower than a one out of five right i mean i've given a zero out of five before i don't think this quite deserves a zero out of five because uh they at least know that asteroids exist so i'm gonna give it a one out of five and they simulated gravity yes and simulated gravity, that's true. Even though the jury's still out on that with us, I think. But one out of five for the science, because it's just so very, 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 very bad. I think it, it frustrates me because it seems like they did not even hire someone to talk about the science for this movie. No. Yeah. No. No, dude. Anyway. They, no. They hired Michael Bay and they were like, hey, blow some fucking shit up. And he was like, you got it. He was like, I will literally blow up every single plot point you put in here. I'm surprised <laughs> Houston didn't blow up. Like that's the only thing <laughs> yeah. in this movie that didn't explode the people interacted with. I'm going to give it a two out of five yep. for entertainment. I think it. it wasn't so bad that I wouldn't watch it and talk shit about it. Um, but it was not a good movie. <laughs> it definitely was not a good movie. I no. think like we can, we can, agree on that that it was not a good movie if you want to like pound natty lights and wave an american flag and feel cool about space watch american american armageddon watch american dad american american horror story colon armageddon armageddon yeah (laughs) all right pace what about you i wasn't bored okay that's all i give it do the science do the science do do the science first Okay, the science, one out of five. Yeah, because the easy. science sucked. Okay, it was good, wrong good, good. in so many ways. <laughs> um, I don't think I have to say why. No, you but, don't. No, we okay, have. Okay, because we talked about it in the show. Verbosely. Why it was bad. Um, entertainment, I'm going to give it a two. Um, I'd give it two and a half if I could. Uh, I wasn't, I was not, as I said, I was not bored. I was watching the entire time. 
Um, because it's it's kind of like whenever you're watching, I don't know, like whenever you're watching like like two turtles have sex or something. You know? Okay. Like okay. it's so ridiculous Lean into that, that you just want to keep watching it. Yeah. But it's not like it's quality content. That's somebody's thing. <laughs> so when Sarah and I were in Jamaica. All right, no, hold on. it's not Jamaica, sorry. <laughs> in Costa Rica, we were taking a boat ride. <laughs> This is a little tangent, but it has to do with something Pace just said. Okay. <laughs> Taking a boat ride to this, like, smaller town near uh, the hotel, like, resort we were staying at. And the guy driving the boat literally is just like, oh, check this out. And then just, like, turns off to the side and pulls up. And there are two, like, huge fucking tea, uh, sea turtles just, like, in each other's embrace. And he's like, those two turtles are having sex. <laughs> was fucking... But they, But they also were, like... They were huge. Like, they were big sea turtles, so it was cool just to see sea turtles in the wild. But mm-hmm. he was like, yeah, they're having sex. We were like, big all right. Big sea turtle. <laughs> That's and awesome. Then it was, the best was after we saw them, he was like, all right, let's give him some privacy. <laughs> just <laughs> <turn them away." laughs> it was sorry. I had to tell you guys that. It was fucking great. <laughs> That's beautiful. Uh, yeah, this movie was definitely like watching two turtles fucking. <laughs> it absolutely was. Uh, I would have I would would have likened it to like watching second graders play soccer. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good one too. Right, like you know they're I out like there that. doing their best. They're, it's just like one big clusterfuck of small humans chasing a ball. Like mm-hmm. you're you're glad they're having fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah right. I'm not but there yes. for the movie. I'm there to support my friends. Yeah, Bruce Willis. <laughs> <laughs> St- fucking. Bruce needs this. Okay? Bruce needs this. Buscemi needs this. Buscemi. <laughs> ben Affleck needs this. Well, I'm glad we've established that the science of this movie was garbage. Uh, yeah. The very last thing that I'll say before we start answering questions, um, the other very frustrating thing for me was when uh, Steve Buscemi kind of go goes off the rails and one of the military, I mean, astronaut guys turns to Bruce Willis and goes, he has space dementia. <laughs> Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. What the hell? I don't that's know what act, that that's, was. Oh my god! That's by the way, it's a completely fake thing. Oh yeah, it is like not, not a real, real disease. <laughs> not a, not a real anything. It seemed like they were trying to allude to it as like nitrogen nico- uh, uh What is it called? Nitrogen narcosis. Like yeah. when people are diving because you have like you, you get know, disoriented. Yeah, but like in space, it's totally different. Like you're in a pressurized suit. Like, you're not, that's not going to happen. It doesn't make any sense. I assume that they were trying to liken it to, like, what, like, the crazies that people are supposed to get when they're on a boat. Like, you know, when they're isolated right. and in the middle of nowhere and there's nothing like on the horizon. cabin fever? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> cabin fever, but, like, the opposite. Well, yeah, but. Space fever. This is, it, there's nothing about space that would. Buscemi would have right. been fine. Yeah. Yeah. I Maybe think, he was just being Buscemi. Yeah, I think he just was. Just being Bush. It's just out there just, being boosh. Just being boosh. Just getting his boosh in there. Old Stevie B. Just Stevie B out there in space. Let's do some listener questions. Let's do some listener questions. Let's do it. We don't want to talk All about right. Stevie B anymore? Nah, we're good uh, with Stevie B. Guys, I think that we can do Stevie our first B question, that? and that is from Stevie very, B very a good friend of the podcast, uh, Anthony Martinez. Yep. And he has a question. He says, this could be a dumb question. Spoiler, we love dumb questions, and this question's not even dumb. So, like, uh, would a gun work on the moon? This is actually a great fucking question. It's a good question. Such a good Um, question. So, we've actually talked about this for a lot, and I don't know if, uh, I don't know if we're, like, 100% certain. What we seem to think is that because there's no oxygen, 
you wouldn't be able to get the initial like ignition of the gunpowder right. um, when like when the hammer hits the bullet there's like i guess a what is it called like a starter or something there's a primer a primer that ignites the gunpowder and that explodes and then the the i had a i had one like contesting belief here is that was that like like gunpowder contains an oxidizing agent so you don't have to have like an excess of oxygen and but i think we concluded that you'd have to have a completely sealed gun in order to be able to fire the bullet here's so counterpoint i think you would have to have a at least a completely sealed primer because as long as you can yes set up a scenario in which actually a, a completely completely sealed shell would be fine because the spark, the ignition that happens in the gunpowder happens inside the shell. So right. as long as the shell was airtight and able to withstand the vacuum of space, which I don't think is the case. Right. Uh, sure, sure. Then you would be able to ignite the oxidizers inherent to that round, allowing you to sh- fire the bullet. Right. So you yes. could probably, we could probably make bullets for space but yeah, like space bullets space bullets. Sp- bullets bullets for the space force yes bullets for our space force yes a standard bullet though might not hold up to the harsh conditions of space and then might not fire properly right um but would be very good is because thanks to our good friend uh newton um who you may have heard of through his various laws and figs um mm-hmm. He has what's known as the third law. <laughs> so, hey, Kenneth, I'm going to give that a six out of ten. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> um, that for every action, there's an equal and opposite reaction. So if you fire a gun in space, you're going to fly backwards a lot. Very, if you shoot gun in space, it will push you backwards. It will push you backwards, you say. Well, yes. you do also, like, when you shoot a gun on Earth, it's not like there's a bunch of horizontal gravity like you, your body is going to absorb some of that force you know yes and disperse through your body but you are grounded you are putting that you are putting that back into the earth by bracing yourself against the uh, against the earth itself like you yes. have something to lean against yes. using your body weight and everything else that is true i'm just saying i don't think you would fly backwards at this like you wouldn't fly back like like a fucking speeding bullet you know well i don't know you don't have any weight you weigh nothing i mean on the you moon the bullet you weigh, weigh the same something. You weigh something on the moon. Well, yeah, sure. So on this asteroid, yes. But if you were in the middle of space and you fired a bullet, you and the bullet weigh the same. Oh, yeah, of course. If you were in just floating in space, you would shoot back at the speed of a bullet for yeah, sure. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, That's a vacuum. Or yeah, at least um, half. I don't know. Get at us, physicists. But either way. Yeah, I mean, yeah, right. you and the bullet would each leave each other going at half the speed of the bullet leaving you on Earth, right? Right. Something like that. Something like that. So thanks for the question, Anthony. Yes, thank you, Anthony. It's always fun to get your questions. All right, I'm, um, I'm going to read the next one. Please do. Okay, so this question was sent in by... Uh, okay, I'm going to fucking pronounce this wrong. No, you've got I, this. I believe in you. Ar- Ariadne? Nina? Okay. Right? Ariadne Batalva Nina. Batalva Nina? Okay. Sorry if I pronounced your name wrong, but... Friend of the podcast. Uh, thank you for your question. Friend of the Friend show, Ariadne. Ari- mm-hmm. Oh my god, Ari! <laughs> god, I'm just fucking it. up some more. Wait, hold on, Chase, hold on, hold we, on, Kenny, you have... have to edit this out. <laughs> can we fire Sean? I don't remember. You if can't we fire me. It's in the co- check the contract. Check the contract. I don't think we signed anything. Oh, then you definitely can't fire me. Okay, fair. 
Okay, this question was sent in by Ariadne, um, and she asks, uh, or they ask, what's the difference between asteroids and meteors, and which one is more dangerous to approach the Earth? It's a good question. That is actually a good question, because I did not know the difference. I thought it was just like, whatever you wanted to say, but Pace did some deep digging, and he uncovered the the answer. I found the difference. Okay, Kenan, let's, here's, okay, here's what we should do. Talk at the same time. No, though, we're very bad at that. Okay. How about I'll start and you finish? That's how we usually do it, right? Yeah. Like, okay. That's what love is. Uh, that's what love is. Um, an <laughs> asteroid is just a a large rocky body in space, like in general, in orbit around the sun. In the case of like our Milky Way galaxy, it would just be a large like rock that's just orbiting around the sun in mm-hmm. general. Um, the number that I came up with most often um is that about 10 meters or larger is, is okay an asteroid. yeah i didn't i didn't have any numbers so thank you mm-hmm. um i this it also apparently a meteoroid is a, like a like a smaller version a of an asteroid that takes drugs to make their muscles bigger yeah that that too the rock is full of meteoroids mm-hmm. um that was a one but then can and tell me can and tell me exactly how a meteor is different from an asteroid well, so a lot of these definitions have to do whether or not they make it through our atmosphere. <laughs> exactly. They do. Yeah. I think that's the point. I think that's the most interesting part of the definition. So like like a, like a meteor enters the Earth's atmosphere, but because of that, it obviously becomes very small. Right. So if it burns up in the atmosphere, which we call a basically a falling star, right? So the streak of light. Yeah. Shooting stars. That is a meteor. If it makes it through our atmosphere and hits our planet Earth and lands on our beloved Pacific Islander at the beginning of Armageddon, uh, yep. it is known as a meteorite. Yep, that's it. We nailed it. The, the most dangerous is up for debate because an asteroid is very, very dangerous. I mean, it's it, an asteroid. Any asteroid has potential to be dangerous if it's heading towards Earth, right? Yep. Um, and then once it actually comes into Earth, it becomes a meteor and then it's obviously dangerous because it's in our atmosphere (laughs) so yeah for sure um they're all dangerous the x factor is is it heading towards us and will it break up into smaller rocks small enough to be insignificant before it hits our planet all right well thank you for your question all right what's our next question i will read it it is me go for it i am the one who will read this this is a question that was sent in by friend of the prod podcast podcast Brett Palaschak, Palaschak, Palat, Palat of Chicken, uh, mm. and he asks, "Is Aerosmith's I Don't Want to Miss a Thing the greatest rock song associated with the major motion picture?" Hmm. Hmm. It, it depends. Well, Pace, what do you think? I don't. I don't know if I'm ready to answer this yet. Well, I think. Okay. I don't want to miss a thing as a rock ballad, right? Mm. It's mm-hmm. it's it's not necessarily like a go get 'em rock song, but it is. I mean, if the get 'em is sex, then yes, it's, it's definitely emotion wrenching, and it does give me feels. It gives me tingles and jingles. Mm. I would say we're gonna have to talk later about what jingles are, but continue. <laughs> well, it's almost it's almost the holiday season, mm. so true. Um, you know, Sean and I were discussing this, and 
we we couldn't really think of a lot of big motion pictures that were defined by a rock song. Except like except Rocky, Eye of the Tiger. Except for like Eye of the Tiger and Rocky was obviously worth mentioning. Um, uh, Danger Zone and Top Gun. Danger Zone. Sure. Danger for Zone sure. and Top Gun. That's a very good parallel to draw here. Danger Zone and Top Gun is better. Mm-hmm. Or the scene in Top Gun, you know, where they're getting it on. Yeah. Which, yeah, uh, that too. What song was that? Fuck. Or the scene in Hot Shots where he's cooking an egg <laughs> on her stomach. <laughs> which, like, <laughs> which I fucking get confused with the real movie every time. I don't know why. <laughs> it doesn't happen in Top Gun. No, I know. But I'm saying when I think of it, I think of like, I'm like, oh yeah, that scene in Top Gun where he cooks an egg on her stomach. He cooks an egg like, on someone's ass. Wait, no, that's the parody. Sorry. <laughs> Listen, the answer is for whom the bell tolls in the opening of Zombieland. Oh, okay. That is That's the best use movie. of a rock song. It doesn't define the film in the same way that these others do, which are all very good. But yeah, that is I, the best use of a rock song in a movie, in my opinion. Uh, has he, has Heat of the Moment been used in a movie? Because that song's just got to be the best. Right? I will look that up. I think that's something we need to blast out later on Twitter I think or Instagram. My final answer is still Danger Zone and Top Gun with honorable mention to Zombieland. Okay. Yeah. Uh, okay. I actually do like, I was talking with Face about this, in Apocalypse Now, the use of the Doors, like, I really, really like yeah. the, all the Doors soundtrack and everything, but... <sighs> well, boys. Do we have any more? Any more questions? We, we did have some more questions associated with this episode, but what we're going to do is answer those at a later and more special date. Yeah. Which will be discussed soon. Well, I think well, we can talk about it now. I think I think what we're gonna do for our Christmas episode, and this is our Thanksgiving episode. Happy, uh, happy, happy Turkey Boy, Happy Turkey Day, Happy a day that you should celebrate with your family and not celebrate the occupation of early Americans t- stealing the country from the natives. Um, That's right. <laughs> what a bummer, good- Kevin. With food though, with that's food. me, baby. I'm a bummer realist. What's up? Um. Eat some not turkey because I'm also vegetarian. Yep, that's right. I'm a bummer about everything. <laughs> Jeez, Ken, I'm going to eat so much fucking turkey. <laughs> anyway, so after this episode, we were going to watch uh, Inside Out, which is a movie about confronting our emotions. Um, yep. So we're going to confront our emotions and we'd also like very, very much like any sort of science related questions or general questions, much like uh, Brett Pallet of Chicken's question about rock ballads. Mm-hmm. Um, so... If you could direct this to us, that'd be great. And then after that, we need just like a butt ton of questions for our Christmas episode, which is going to be a mailbag episode. Yes. I would love if the questions like had to do with any of the science from any of the movies that we've already watched or not even science necessarily, but just like questions from some of the movies we've talked about on the show, um, I think would be good. Like maybe he didn't they get, could also get just be random show. questions about us too. Yes, we, we will do that too. I just want also, I, I'm thinking the way we're going to structure the episode is probably doing a smattering of like some science questions to keep on theme, but then also some of the questions that people have sent us that are hilarious, but just have nothing to do with science. So yeah. And Which we love, have, by the way. If you have like general science questions as well, we can answer those. Like I would prefer they be about movies. Uh, we will also answer general science questions other than the ones that, you know, we get from our relatives that are like, you're a doctor. Am I dying? <laughs> yep. We get those all the time. Do I have herpes? I don't know, Jeff. Go. Spoiler. We all kind of have herpes. We do all have herpes. Everyone does. Yeah. That's very true. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. Well, uh, okay. <laughs> you can qualify that statement on the next show that we do. Okay, okay we will. I will. But yeah, so it, I mean, if you wanted to send us a question, you could either email us at uh, realsciencecast at gmail.com. You could post on our Facebook page, which is uh, Real Science Cast on Facebook, or you could tweet at Real Science Cast. Um, I also wanted to say, Kenan, who suggested Inside Out? Because that was a patron, right? Was that Bart? Uh, Inside Out was suggested by uh, Bart uh, Bart's Druid, the Druid of Questions, uh, the Bartholomew friend of the podcast, Hoffman. I'm very yeah. tired. I'm very yeah, sorry. Uh, you sound like you're melting. Yeah. <laughs> you sound like me. <laughs> so Barthoff had suggested Inside Out for his... Um, so he's a patron. He's a donor to the show. And so as one of his movies, he picked Inside Out. And we thought it was a great idea. We're going to do it for the show. Hell yeah. Yes. So thank you for your suggestion and your donation. Yep. We appreciate it. And I know we pumped it at the beginning of the episode, but if you go to patreon.com, you can check out our page. Uh, donate a monthly amount to uh, help us make this podcast better. The current goal that we have is to upgrade all of our recording equipment so that the audio sounds better and that our recording situation is not garbage. Yeah. But beyond that, we have a lot of plans for additional content that we could uh, give out to patrons. Um, I've already started planning a uh, Starfinder campaign, um, hey. which is going to be a little bit down the road because we need the uh, we need the money to support it, to be honest. Um, but otherwise the show is always going to be free. Um, we just want to try and provide bigger and better content for you guys. So, yep. Cool. Thank you to Otis McDonald for the use of his song third eye blimp as our intro and outro podcast. Stay classy and do science. Yeah. Get drunk and do science. Uh, thank you for listening everyone. My name is Kenan Smith. My name is Sean Carlson. I'm Michael Pace. And remember you don't need good science to make a good movie. Get drunk, do science. But if y'all makes it better, babies taste best. Oh no, 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 no. It's coming back. And then, uh... Yeah, no, I just couldn't remember at, like, the very, very, very beginning, which I think it just starts out with the... Um, the oh, it's like a voiceover off, the, off of the Yucatan Peninsula, and then the whole yuck, and the Yucatan, and then the whole just sort of world catches on fire. Yeah, it's a voiceover where it's like in the year two hundred thousand bajillion is years ago. Is it a ago, voiceover or is it text? It's a voiceover for sure. It's literally that guy's voice. Like he's like two hundred million years ago, dinosaurs walked the earth. And then they then did they it. Then they got Scottish killed. After they died. It's motherfucking Charles, Charlton Heston. It's Charlton Heston? Charlton Heston does the narrator voice for Armageddon. Wow. He, he comes in and goes, where's your magic now, Moses? <laughs> Let <laughs> my people Where go. Are your rebel friends now, Moses? <laughs> <laughs> your rebel fleet has failed, Moses. <laughs> 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 <laughs>